Welcome to ESA Explorers, an official podcast of the European Space Agency. You're listening to our Beyond series. In this series, we take you behind the scenes of ESA astronaut Luca Palmitano's second mission to the International Space Station. I'm Ali Kohler. And I'm Stephen Ennis. Let's go beyond. Today, we have a bit of a different format for you. We're joined by International Space Station crew instructor and ESA Eurocom, Serena Bertone. Together, we'll be listening to and discussing a few of the sounds astronauts like Luca hear during their time on the International Space Station. We're actually recording today in the life support rack booth at ESA's Astronaut Center in Cologne, Germany. This is where astronauts are trained in its operation to perform activities on the space station itself. That's because our regular recording spot has actually been affected by external noise in the form of a lawnmower. Now that's not a sound Luca will be hearing on the space station, but it can be a bit of a noisy place. Background noise in Columbus module is about 55 decibels, so it's still pretty far from being damaging to one's hearing, but over a long term, it can get a bit grating on one's nerves. So Serena, today we're going to go through a sort of day in the life of station, but from an auditory perspective. Maybe if you could kick us off with nighttime. Nighttime is typically the quietest time on station. This is where you can really hear only the sound of the equipment that is active. And in this case, it could be mostly fans, some of the pumps, some of the experiments that are running overnight when crew is not around. And of course, we have the contraction and expansion of the shell of the modules. So in this case, you can hear very, very soft clicking noises. And so during this episode, we actually have some sounds recorded by Canadian astronaut Commander Chris Hadfield. And so here's a sample from the PMM, or Permanent Multipurpose Module, within the ISS. So Sereno, what are we hearing here? You hear that very soft clicking sound. This is because when the sun illuminates the station, the shell of the modules expand. And then when the sun goes down and it becomes night, the shell contracts because it's colder. Right. And how many times per day does this sort of thermal cycle happen on the International Space Station? The International Space Station rotates around the Earth about 16 times a day. So we have 16 nights and we have 16 days. So you can imagine every time we go from day to night, we have a change in temperature on the shell and it can click. I'm just imagining this International Space Station kind of growing and shrinking as it, as it goes in and out of uh, sunlight. Breathing. <laughs> it's a lie. It does. It <laughs> definitely does. It's not expanding by a lot, but enough to create the metals and make it click. So obviously during night, a uh, crew sleeps. They work on GMT, Greenwich Mean Time, for their day-night cycle. But during the night, the station is still very much awake, still very much breathing and alive. And there's many experiments as well, scientific experiments in the various laboratories of the International Space Station that will be running during this time. Yeah, and that's something that we actually touched on in the last episode, Stephen, when we were talking with Chloe. She talked a little bit about some of the experiments that don't actually require astronaut intervention. And I think in some cases it's, it's beneficial for them to be running at night when there's not activity going on. Is that right? And that's correct. We have some experiments that run exclusively at night. We want to prevent the crew from moving around and creating little bumping into equipment. So we want to prevent any kind of modifications in the gravity. So we run the experiments when they're sleeping. Okay, so after the crew have had their nice night's sleep, listening to the um, station breathe, as it were, 
they begin to wake up. So I guess it's a lot like it would be here on earth. You've got your waking up activities and you have your breakfast and all these kinds of things. But once they're ready for the day, they get into something that's called a DPC. Typically, the morning DPC, the morning daily planning conference is the time in which we have the first communication from the flight control team on ground and we talk to the crew, we plan the day, we discuss what is going to be done, we discuss if anything happened during the night that the crew needs to be aware of, we discuss potential experiments and what is going to happen during the day. This is also when crew may come back to ground with answers or questions and this is a little bit of interaction with the crew. At the end of September, Luca will become the third European ISS commander and he will be in charge of opening and leading the evening and the morning DPC. So now everything is ready for work on the ISS. As we will hear from Luca in this short clip from an event in Sweden, the work environment of the International Space Station has a little bit of noise pretty much all the time. So the second question is from Pelle Lufgren, who's three years old, who asks, what sounds do you hear in space? Uh, and that, that, is, that is a really good question. So it depends on where you are. Mostly on board the space station, the sounds that we hear are fans, ventilation going on, moving air around. Because if we didn't have these fans and, and, uh, and ventilation, while I'm breathing, I would create a bubble of my own breath, which is carbon dioxide, which is not very good for me. It would, it would just stay here. And so in order to take away the carbon dioxide and replace it with fresh air, we need these, these fans constantly moving the air. And these fans make a noise. So this, that is the most constant noise on the space station. And to me, it is like the space station itself is alive and breathing. So it's a good noise to have. Almost like on an airplane, if you've ever been onto one. In Columbus, every day you have two fans active at the same time because you want to circulate the air in the module itself and you want to bring in clean air from the node too. So the noise of the two fans combined is about 48-50 decibels per day. Then this is comparable, like Luca said, to the noise you typically have from the air conditioning in an airplane. Recently, one of the two fans in Columbus, the cabin fan assembly, showed some signs of degradation. And guess what? The sign of degradation was an increased noise level, so we could hear this high-pitched noise that Luca recorded for us on ground. So let's have a listen to that noise now. That sounds, wow, that sounds really quite annoying, actually. So what's being done about this fan? Well, you can imagine the first reaction was to switch off that fan and activate the redundant unit. And then in the future, of course, we are planning to replace it at some point with a new one. Okay, but when things are running normally, crew will go through a number of scientific experiments. Actually, we have an experiment running right now called acoustic diagnostics. Yeah, so acoustic diagnostics is one of the experiments Luca is currently involved in on the station. It's an Italian experiment, and it aims to assess the hearing capabilities of astronauts during and after long-term spaceflight missions and optimise a device that will aid accurate diagnosis in other noisy environments on Earth. As a test subject, Luca wears earmuffs that reduce the environmental noise and provide an in-ear tip that induces noises for calibration and measurement. The response of Luca's inner ear is measured and recorded automatically, so he doesn't have to press a button or do anything when he hears a noise. The data from this experiment will then be analysed by scientists on the ground. So let's listen to a few of the sounds that they'll be playing during this experiment. 
As well as the day-to-day, business-as-usual sounds on the space station, there are also a few sounds that astronauts need to be listening out for because they could indicate that they need to take some action. Can you tell us a little bit about these sounds, Serena? Yes, so these are the caution and warning tones, and it's basically alarm tones that tell ground and crew, first of all crew, of course, that something critical on station needs attention. So there's caution, warning, and emergency tones, And let's see if we play them in a random sequence, if you can tell which one is which. I'll give you a hint that caution is the least serious of these alarm tones, and emergency is, well, emergency is an emergency. Okay, so the first sound that you heard there was actually the emergency tone, the second sound was the caution tone, and the third sound was the warning tone. The most important, of course, is the emergency tone, because as soon as crew hears it, independently of whatever they are doing, they need to react immediately. And this is important because it's safety relevant, it could be a fire on station, it could be a rapid depressurization, or it could be an ammonia leakage. So immediate reaction. Okay, and what about caution and warning? The warning is the second most serious tone they can hear, and this also requires an immediate reaction by at least one crew member. Typically, a second crew member may help, but at least one crew member needs to respond immediately. And tell us a little bit about the third sound, then how would they respond in that case? The caution also requires a response from the crew. However, of the three cases, it's the least critical. In Columbus, for example, one of the caution tones could be when somebody forgets some equipment or some cargo in front of the ventilation grid. In that case, they would hear within a short time a caution tone. And is a caution tone enough to wake up crew? Could, could you be woken up in the middle of the night by a caution? Absolutely. Caution, warning, emergency tones, they all wake up the crew and at least one of the crew needs to respond if it's a caution or a warning. All crew needs to wake up and, do, um, and go into the emergency response if it's an emergency case. So I actually have a little bit of trouble with the caution, warning and emergency sounds because to me, caution sounds the most critical. So what's the thinking behind the design of the caution, warning and emergency tones? The idea is that the highest frequency represents the most critical event and the most time critical. So the idea is really we want to put urgency into the crew. So the volume is going to be the highest for the emergency tone. It's going to be a little bit lower for the warning tone and it's going to be the lowest for the caution tone. Also, the caution tone is a continuous sound. If you go to the warning tone, it's a little bit higher frequency and the emergency tone is, of course, the highest frequency and together with the highest volume. So I actually cheated a little bit earlier in the edit and I put them all in at the same level. So now we can listen to them again quickly, but at the levels that they're supposed to be heard in the station. And this time it'll be pretty obvious which one is the emergency. Okay, so we've had a full day of sounds on station, but we're not quite done yet. So we had our morning daily planning conference, and now we're going to wrap up the day with an evening daily planning conference. You can think about the evening DPC as the end of the working day for the crew. It's also a good occasion to wish everybody a good night, good dinner, sometimes a good weekend. Good evening. The crew is ready for evening DPC. 
and good evening to everybody from Houston. We just got a few items from us for today. Uh, the first one for all of you, tomorrow's plan is on board. We are expecting a few minor deltas, but nothing major, but that's ready for you. And Huntsville, Munich, and Scuba are standing by with no topics. So unless you have anything for us or for the other centers, I can bid you a good evening. And the crew here concurs that we have no questions or topics for uh, Munich, Sukuba, or uh, Hansville. And so with this, we thank you for all your support, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. All right. Good night, guys. Good work today. Woohoo, end of the working day. So what now? <laughs> There'll be more sounds happening. I understand that music is a big thing on station. They've got lots of musical instruments up there and they like to listen to their own tunes. So tell us a little bit about the sounds of free time. Oh, the sounds of free time, as you know, we have guitars on station, we have saxophones. There are different musical instruments and they all like to play. They like to play, they like to sing together, they like to just spend time together like you would do with friends at home. And of course, in the middle of that, sometimes they also have dinner and dinner is on a very important occasion after a whole day working on different activities in different parts of the station, all the crew gathers together to have a common meal. So of course, we wouldn't tease you with the fact that there are guitars and saxophone on the International Space Station without playing you a couple clips. So here's Commander Chris Hadfield with his trusty guitar. Here we go. One, two, three, four. And not to be outdone, here's European astronaut Thomas Pesquet with his saxophone. Do you ever play any instruments aboard the space station? Why, that is a fantastic question. I don't, but we just so happen to have someone who does. He may be floating by now. So as well as the traditional musical instruments, we've also seen the first DJ on station recently with DJ Astro Luca uh, beaming into a, a, an event in Ibiza. Hello everybody, ciao. I am uh, DJ Astro Luca today. I'm European astronaut Luca Parmitano from the European Space Agency and I'd like to welcome you on board the Columbus module, the European lab on board of the International Space Station. Uh, I am not a DJ, but I'm trying to put myself out of my com comfort zone uh, just to explore a little bit beyond of my capabilities and also communicating through music. So, are you ready for some music? Let's see what I can do. <laughs> Let's see if you can do it going sideways like me. It's all a bit of fun, but Luca shared a really good message about music at the same time, that it is an international language. It really brings people together. It can remind astronauts of home. It has all these emotions and it bonds the team together. And so it can be really, really important for when they're up in space.
Alexander Gerst auf der internationalen Raumstation ISS. Guten Abend Kraftwerk. Guten Abend Stuttgart. Of course, it is the International Space Station, so there's multiple languages spoken, and very often, to communicate between cultures, sharing music and films is a way that crew can both relax and also spend quality time together. So when you think about all the sounds you can hear on station, imagine a living place, imagine a breathing place. So you have mechanical sounds, you have human sounds, you have the fans, you have the pumps, you have the humans moving around the station. You have the crew moving around cargo, using tools, banking on the side of the station, using experiments, all the, human, all the typical sounds that you would have on a normal working place. Well, thank you so much, Serena, for talking us through the sounds of the space station today. It's been so great having you on board. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was a pleasure to be here and to talk to you. Thank you for listening to the ESA Explores Beyond series. Hopefully you enjoyed hearing from Serena and the International Space Station as much as we did. This podcast is brought to you by the European Space Agency. You can learn more about Luca and his Beyond mission at lucapalmitano.esa.int. Tweet your questions or thoughts to at ESA Spaceflight using the hashtag ESA Explores. And of course, hit that subscribe button to stay up to date. Thank you for listening and stay tuned.